0: May God bless you as you watch this week's message.
1: Good morning, everybody. I'm Sam Benton. I'm one of the pastors here, along with David and Jim. And every once in a while, they let me speak. Uh, not too often. He's worried about me getting too radical, I think. I'm not sure. But we're on a series for this Advent season called Game Changers. Now, Pastor David is a sports enthusiast, which I am not so much. I kind of watch the Panthers, which has been very depressing. A little bit of the Carolina games, you know. And and I watch the most exciting sport on TV more often, which is called golf. You know, that's Evie and I, my wife and I, of course, my wife knows a whole lot more about sports than I do. So I'm going to go a little different avenue than the sports. I'm going to talk about some game changers that happened, inventions within our society. And I had a whole long list, but I want to narrow it down real quick to only two. One great game changer throughout history was the invention of penicillin. Once it was discovered, the population growth exploded because the death rate went down. The longevity, the lifespan of people was longer. And so it was a huge game changer. The truth is, honestly, if it weren't for antibiotics, a quarter of us probably wouldn't be in this room. We would have died from some infection that we got, right? It was a serious game changer in life. Another game changer, a a scientific invention that I thought was fantastic was flight, human flight, the world became so much smaller once we could fly from one place to another. Right, David? David. <laughs> he flies all over the world. And so it used to be you had to take a ship and take, two, I don't know how long to get over from one place to another. But now you can just jump in a plane and within 10, 12, 15 hours, you can be almost anywhere in the world. And, and I'm, in the beginning, it was just for the wealthy. Now, all of us folks who don't even have much can fly around, right? We can go see our family and friends. It totally changed the culture. It changed business. It changed relationships. Many of us get the opportunity to go see places we would have never gone if we can't fly there, right? So it was a game changer. But you know what was the greatest game changer of all time? The birth of Jesus Christ. Amen. The greatest game changer of all time was Christ coming to earth and what he accomplished for us while he lived and died and rose again from the dead is a total game changer. David talked last week about how Christ coming gave salvation to us. We are saved because of Christ, because of what he did. Sozo is the word, not just spiritually and eternally, but body, soul, and spirit. We are saved by Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. But there's so many other ramifications of the birth and death of Christ on our lives. I'm going to share a few of those with you, okay? So one of the greatest ones is that he opened the door for... for I'm looking at you, every single one of you to be a priest. You are a priest. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're a priest. How about that? The, you know, the title of my message is every member is a minister. Every member of this church, you are a minister of God. That's a total game changer, right? Our main text is 1 Peter Two nine. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I want to break that down for you just for a moment. This one Text is a total game changer for every single person and for all mankind who believe. Amen? Check this out. You are a chosen people. God chose you. I mean, just that one verse ought to just shake you out of your boots, right? Not only are you chosen by God, he's made you a royal priest. You are a royal priest. And guess what? You are a people who belong to God. Can you say, I belong to God? Say it again. I belong to God. Does that just not just fill your whole soul? I belong to God. That's one powerful thing. Glory to God so that you may declare the praises of Him who's called you out of darkness and into His wonderful, glorious light. How many of you were called out of darkness? Amen. How many of you are in the wonderful, glorious light of God? There's a big difference, right? There's dark and there's light, and there's a big difference. I lived in the darkness, but now I live in the light, all because Jesus came, and only because Jesus came. Because I wasn't able to do it on my own. You were once not a people, but now you're a people. You once did not have mercy under the old law of the old covenant. You did not have mercy, but now you have mercy. I mean, I could just quit right there, right? I mean, honestly, that's just powerful. But I'm not. (laughs) I'm not going to quit yet. So this is a total game changer because it wasn't always the case. So let's do a little history here. So God created man, woman, mankind to do what? To have a relationship with him, right? He walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. They walked with God. They talked with God in the cool of the day. They had a relationship with God. That's what he wanted. But then they fell. And then after the fallen state, throughout history, there's still been those who walked and talked to God. Noah. Who's Noah? Noah did what? Noah built the ark, right? How did he build the ark? How did he get this idea? How did he design it? God told him. Look, I've been in construction most of my life. But God's never told me what kind of wood, how long to make it. He did probably give me some strategies along the way. But but God talked to Noah so clearly about what kind of wood, how big to make it, what size to make the door, what shape to make I mean, God downloaded a doggone architectural design into Noah's heart. Before there was such a craft like that, and before there was ever rain on earth, he said, It's going to rain, Noah. Build this ark. Well, you know, you got to be pretty intimate with God to step out and build an ark when there's no water, right? Noah knew God. Abraham, the father of our faith, walked with God, talked with God, reasoned with God, right? Moses. Moses had such an intimate encounter with God that when he would come out of the tabernacle, The very glory of God would be upon him so much that he even covered his face. Now, I want that. Amen? So throughout history, you see different men and women. And there are so many more I obviously can't mention. You can look at all the prophets, Samuel and Elijah, Deborah and Miriam. You can look at all the prophets throughout the Bible who had an encounter with God. But here's the thing. Before Christ, it was really only a few people throughout history that we know of. I'm sure there's some we may not know of yet who who were in the Bible. But only a few. The rest of us were left outside of that before Christ. And so, here we go. Oh, and God... Even in the Old Testament dispensation, he wanted to have a holy people, a royal priesthood. Even in the Old Testament, when Moses was at Mount Sinai, I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you today, so we have Bible and spirit, right? We're going to get a lot of Bible today, so y'all listen with me. So God wanted a kingdom of priests before, uh, any, before Christ even came. In Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, you might want to write down some verses, especially if you're in a home group that likes to talk about the sermon. There are a lot of verses here. Exodus nineteen, five. Now if you obey me fully, this is God told Moses to tell the people, and keep my commandment, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. He wanted a people to be his priest and a holy nation to have a relationship with. Not just Moses, not just one person. He wanted a people. But what happened? The people were afraid of God. If you look at Exodus 20, 18. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet, and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed a distance, and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, Moses. We'll listen to you, okay? But do not have God speak to us, or we will die. A lot of people criticize these people because they didn't want to have a relationship with God. But if you read this chapter, this mountain was like a furnace burning. You go read it. You should read it. And I mean, there was smoke and fire and lightning and storms and earthquakes going on. And if you were standing at the foot of that mountain and God said, come on up here, you might have been like, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I have that much faith, God, right? That's kind of what they said. I I don't have the faith to do that. Probably 90% of us in here, maybe 99% would have said, "Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I want to go up in this fire burning earth quake shaking mountain. So don't get down on them. (laughs) You read the chapter, it's, it's crazy. So, but then the first mention of priesthood is in Exodus chapter 40, where Moses comes, God tells Moses, he said, Exodus 40 verse 12, it says, bring Aaron and his son to the entrance of the tent of meeting, wash them with water, Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him, and consecrate him so that he may serve me as priest. The first mention of a priest. Bring his son and dress them in tunics. Anoint them just as you anointed their father so that they may serve me as priest. So this is the first mention. Then later in Numbers, as Aaron is leading the people of God, it says here, Aaron, God says to Aaron in in Numbers 18, 2, bring your fellow Levites from your ancestral tribe to join you and assist you when you and your sons minister before the tent of the covenant law. They are to be responsible to you and to perform all the duties of the tent. But they must not go near the furnishing of the sanctuary or the altar. Otherwise, both they and you will die. So in the Old Testament dispensation, you had to be born of the lineage of Aaron or of the tribe of Levite in order to be a priest at all. And the Levites, really, they couldn't go into the Holy of Holies. They couldn't go near the Holy of Holies. They were there to serve Aaron and the high priest ministers, right? So that's what it was like in the Old Testament. Imagine this, though. Oh, let me just read this. I want you to hear this in in the Bible. Hebrews 9, 6. It says, when everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry out their ministry. But only, only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that they had committed in ignorance. When we were doing communion, I said, Lord, forgive me of any sin. I've committed in ignorance and the ones I committed, but just the others too, Lord, please. You know, sometimes we sin and we don't even know it. I pray that, not regularly, but often. I'm like, especially when I get in the presence of God. I'm like, oh, forgive me, Jesus. I know I did something wrong. (laughs) I'm not going to get cocky in front of God. Oh, I'm so righteous, Lord. That's a bad move. That's a bad move. You know it, actually. When you get in his presence, you know you can't do that. So here we are Uh, With the high priest and all that. Now imagine this with me. Imagine that only David and Jim and I could come into this temple. And the rest of you, y'all had to hang out in the parking lot out there. While we encounter God in a real way and then come outside and just kind of tell you what God's doing. Imagine if you had to drive up here at the front door and drop off some kind of sacrifice for your sin. You couldn't even give it to God. You just had to give it to us and we would go take it to God for you. That's what it was like in the Old Testament dispensation. I can just picture long lines of people standing out there with their sacrifice to give so that they could be forgiven from a guilty conscience because they've done something wrong. My God, how long would that line be here? (laughs) Seriously, right? If every time you sinned, you had to bring a gift and stand in line, we would need some Levites around here for sure. (laughs) My goodness. Okay. But now, everybody say, but now. now. Because of the coming of Christ, he opened the door for every single one of us to be a priest. Every single one of us, we are priests. We don't have to bring something to somebody else. In order to encounter God in a real way. What do you think we're just singing about? The presence of God. Holy Spirit, come welcome. You're welcome here. Amen? We can come into the very presence of God without a priest. The church kind of got off for a while in history. I won't go there. Uh, But the Protestant Reformation changed all that again. Thank God for that. We don't have time for all that. But what does it mean for us, though? What does it mean that we are priests? I said earlier in the Old Testament, there was a high priest, and the Levites served the high priest. Well, it's the same today. David is our high priest, and we serve him. What are y'all laughing about? (laughs) I'm just trying to see if you're reading your Bible. Some of you are squirming in your seat right now. You're like, eh, (laughs) Cannot compute, cannot compute. No, David's not. We love David. David's a great pastor, but there's no high priest in this building. There's no high priest in this city or this nation or this earth. Who's our high priest? Come on. Jesus is our high priest, right? Praise God. But when Christ came, I'm sorry, Hebrews 9, 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through a greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say that it's not part of this creation. He did not enter by means the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all, glory to God, by his own blood. By his own blood he entered once and for all. We don't need a high priest to go in once a year. We don't have that problem anymore, right? Where's my verse? Oh. (laughs) But he entered the most holy place once for all with his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption for every one of you. For every one of you. Can I hear an amen? The fact that we can draw near to God and have spiritual encounters with God changes absolutely everything. It changes everything. In the Old Testament, I would have to go to David, let him do my sacrifice for me. What do we do today? We go before God. We seek his presence, however we do that, through the word, through worship, kneeling in a quiet place, driving down the road, uh, doing our dishes, mowing the lawn. We can enter into the very presence of God. Amen? And we can encounter him in a real way. We don't need somebody to do that for us. He opened the door so that we could all experience the presence of God. You know, we talk about the presence of God a lot around here, and some people come and they're like, what does that even mean? I don't even know what the presence of God is. I got a lot of theology in my head, but I don't know what it means to encounter God in a supernatural way. Well, we want you to learn what that is, because that's what's critical. Why is it so critical? Because when we can come to a place where we can enter into the very presence of God, listen to me, it is there that God reveals who he is in a real, genuine way. It is there that he lavishes us with his love, that we know who he is, that he says, I love you, my son, I love you, my daughter, I'm for you. It is there that we get wisdom and insights. It is there that we become more like Christ. Amen? We get transformed when we come into the presence of, really come into the presence of God. He transforms our heart into His heart. Our lifestyle into His lifestyle. It's there that's more important than anything. Through his word, through worship, through prayer, whatever you do to encounter God. Like I said, you could do it mowing the lawn, washing dishes. My mother, bless God, was a wicked sinner for a long time. She got saved washing dishes, looking out the window one day. I was praying for her for years. And one day she called me and said, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. I was washing dishes. God came upon me, saved my soul, set me free. I mean, like, come on. You should start washing some more dishes. <laughs> in Hebrews 10:19, listen to this. Listen to this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter into the most holy place because of the blood of Jesus, and only because of the blood of Jesus, not because we are righteous, not because we've done anything that we can enter in, but it's only because of the blood of Jesus that we are even able to do that because we are all wicked without Christ. Amen. Forgive me. So it says by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house Sorry, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Is that underlined on there? Yes, let us draw near. It's a drawing near. There's a part that you have to play if you want to encounter the living God in a real way. It's drawing near to him. Not just showing up at church on Sunday, but drawing near to him in a real way. Saying, God, I need you. I want you. I'm desperate for you. I love you. Show me who you are. It takes that drawing near. With a sincere heart and full of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience, You can get rid of all that stuff because of the blood of Jesus, having our bodies washed with pure water the fact that we can encounter God in a real way changes absolutely everything. Amen? This was not possible under the old covenant. People could not do that. They couldn't even, felt like they couldn't even talk to God. They had to talk to somebody else to go talk to God for them. Hallelujah. It changed absolutely everything about mankind's relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Changed everything. Thank God. But there's still more about being a priest than just that we get to go to the presence of God. Okay? In the Old Testament, there are three things uh, that the ministry of the priests did one, they drew near to God. Two, they represented God before the people. And three, they represented the people to God. It's still the same today. Every believer, that's our calling, is to draw near to God, to know Him intimately, and to understand Him clearly, and then represent God to the people around us, not just the church Everywhere we go, we are representing God. If the more you draw close to God, the more you become like Him, the more you understand Him, the more you understand the Word, the more you understand God, the more you become like Him, the more you become like Him, the more you become one of those priests who go out after being in the presence of God and begin to say, this is who God is. That's what He's called us to. That's what He's called you to. To be a priest, to minister to the world around you. To show them the way of the truth. To share the love of God. To share the the kindness of God. To share His character to those around you. Now, do we all do it well all the time? Probably not. Right? Right? But, you know, he made a way for us to live a life that we could share and give the character of God to the world around us. I'm going to go through this route. Wow, man, I don't have time for all this. I tell you what, I I want to share this with you. First Peter, which is where we have the text that says you are a royal priesthood, right? First Peter has two objectives in his book. He's one is this. He wants you to know who Jesus is and what He did for you, okay. And then secondly, He wants you to know how you should live if you have Christ in your heart. If you are this royal priest, First uh, 1 Peter one three, He says, "Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth." Say new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that will never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So he tells you about Christ and what he did. And then he says, you are a royal priesthood. And then after he makes this great proclamation that we are royal priesthood and a holy nation, the rest of 1 Peter is about if you are a priest, if you're a priest of God, then this is how you should live. You should read it. Take this week and read it. What he said. I want to give you just one excerpt because there's way too much to talk about here. In 1 Peter 3.8, and again, most of 1 Peter is like this. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing. Repay evil with a blessing. Who else said that? Jesus said, don't return evil for evil, but return good. Amen? It takes the character of God to do that. But when we do that, it is amazing how it affects the world around us. I'm telling you, I have testimonies of that. Don't have time for that. But anyway, where was I? On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because this is what you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Whoever loves life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. And he goes on and on. If you're a priest of God, because he proclaimed, we're a royal priesthood, a holiness. If you're a priest, live then like this. This is how we shall then live. Amen? Not out of guilt, not out of condemnation, not out of legalism, but out of the Spirit of God that you encounter when you go in the presence of God. So when you come back out like Moses, you're glowing with the presence of God. There's something different about you. You're bringing joy to your workplace. You're giving to people in the workplace. You're serving like nobody else in the workplace. Something's different and somebody says, what is that glow on you? That's what we're called to as priests. Amen? It's not just the joy of His presence, but it's representing Him to the world around us. Glory to God. And one last thing I want to share is, you know what? He made it possible for us to live a life that represents Him well. You know that? Because we are no longer In bondage or slavery to sin. Only through Jesus, only through Jesus, if He had not come and done it, we would still be slaves to sin. But I want to read a a scripture in Romans. It says, Or don't you know that you all, that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that. Just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Did you get born again and start living a new life? Is that true? Your attitudes, the way you act, the way you treat people, all of the above, right? For we have been united with Him In a death like his, this is a funny version for me. I'm a I'm a new King James guy, but I'm trying this. Uh, We will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin because anyone who's died has been set free from sin. He made a way for us. To live a life. None of us are perfect. All of us make mistakes. But hopefully none of us are in bondage, slavery to sin. And if you are, please come talk to us. Because there's a freedom for you. I'm telling you. I lived a life of major sin. I know all about sin. I got that part down real good. Until I was 19. And then I got set free. From all of it. He made a way for us. He didn't just say, go represent me to the world on your own strength, on your own character, on your own charisma, on your own goodness. He says, I'm making a way for you to live a holy life and share my heart with the world around you. Amen? Well, I'm going to close right here. So God's called us as priests to draw near to God and then to represent Him before the people of God. And I asked my wife, Evie, was prettier, smarter, and more prophetic than me, uh, to come and close uh, our service today. She had something on her heart when she heard what I was talking about.
2: When um, I do think that that message of reaching others, um, preaching the gospel, um, I have about a few minutes. I like five minutes. Oh. Is that okay? But, yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Um, No, it's fine. I just, you know, anyway, um, we almost don't need this. But I do think that that message of reaching out and preaching the gospel, reaching out to others is really deep on God's heart at this point. Um, And I sense such an urgency that we would really take that to heart to reach out with the gospel, to preach to others, um, to love others as ourselves, the second great commandment. Um, But when we talk about the priesthood of the believer... The essence of it really is to seek Christ and to find him, to minister to him. The the priest of the believer is ministering to Christ, seeking him until we find him, seeking that deepest communion with Christ. Um, I think about the Apostle Paul, um, who was one of the people who made the greatest impact in the early church, missions work, reaching out, planting churches. But at the end of his life, when he wrote in Philippians, he said in, in chapter three, he said, whatever has been gained to me, I count those things as loss, but there's the a value of knowing Christ. Later on, it said, he said, I want to know him in his power, in his suffering, being conformed to his image. But his declaration was, I want to know Christ. That's my overwhelming priority, he was saying. That's the essence of why I'm alive. I want to know Christ. He wanted to know him in the power and in the suffering. And those things have to do with that second commandment of reaching out. So those are symbiotic commandments. They are very much intertwined. But the first one, to love God with all of our hearts, soul, mind, and strength. So the the thing that I wanted to share was just an experience that I had last Sunday. I just thought it it went really well to invite us uh, today. Um, Last Sunday evening, I was just lying on my bed and seeking God in my spirit, and meditating on the Lord, and I had this spiritual experience. It wasn't just a vision. It was like a spiritual experience, and um, in the in the experience, I saw a, a table that was a long table, and it was set on either side with places for people, and I couldn't see the end of the table. It, it just extended far beyond, but um, I felt the presence of Christ there. I, I felt the presence of Jesus, seated at the table. And he said to me, come and dine with me. Come and sit with me. And I saw that place where I was supposed to sit. And as I felt that, I felt so affirmed and so confirmed that there's a place at the table for me. And the truth of it is, there's a place at Christ's table for every single person in this room. There's a place at Christ's table. It's an elevated table. It's a heavenly table. It's an elevated table. It transcends this world and the natural. But there's that invitation to us, that place at the table uh, with Christ. And um, so I just felt today that I wanted to pray, too, out of Ephesians 3. It was a spiritual experience that I experienced. It's in our spirit, man, is how we connect with God, in our spirit, man, through the Holy Spirit. And I felt that God wanted to... Um, strengthen us in our spirit man that he wants us today to be strengthened in our spirit man so i just wanted to pray that prayer out of ephesians um again where paul says that 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 we would be strengthened with the spirit of might in our inner man so that we can comprehend the love of god god wants us to be strengthened and just take time to strengthen our spirit man to read our word to prioritize seeking christ and finding christ And so that was my want to pray today, that we are strengthened in our inner man so that we can comprehend the the width and length, the depth and the height, that expansive love of Christ that he came to bring to us. So if we want to stand and um, we're going to pray for everyone. Glorious Father. Oh, Father, only you could make a way. Only you could see us from the beginning to the end. Only you could have that plan for us to send Jesus. And so we thank you so much. We just can't say thank you enough for sending Jesus, whom we celebrate at this Christmas season, whom we remember through communion, your death and your resurrection, your blood. We just can't say thank you enough. Yeah. Yeah for all that you have done for us in redeeming us. Thank you, Jesus, for opening a way, for restoring communion with you. It was a game changer. It's everything to us, Lord. God, that we can come in your presence, that we can hear your voice, that we can experience you, that you restore life to us, that you redeem us, we thank you. Father, I pray for myself and I pray for everyone here that, God, you would strengthen our inner man, strengthen our spiritual life, God. Help us to prioritize our spiritual life, the thing that can't be taken away from us, Jesus. Father, would you draw us up into that table where there is spiritual food and spiritual drink? Would you open that way in our understanding that we would see how close you are and how near you are and how much you desire to affirm us and strengthen us and how much you desire that, to confirm our, our, our ch- childhood in you, that we're your children. And that, God, we would be a light in the world, that we'd finish our race. Lord, help us to strengthen us, to finish our race, to persevere, to be a light of the gospel to the world. I pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you To check out the remaining content on our youtube channel and don't forget to subscribe that way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out have a wonderful rest of your day may god bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message